Welcome to season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to season three. latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, the 15th best Bama podcast out there. We have moved up, Tom. Were you moving aware of up, that? Moving up. Absolutely. 47th at one time, and now we're the 15th. I, must I be think that new Twitter presence. I, I agree. I noticed our Twitter handle is more, much more active than when I controlled it, and that is at Targeting Not. We need more Twitter uh, action out there, if you will. I'm at JTIFFBAMA98, J-T-I-F-F-I-N, I'm sorry, J-T-I-F-F-B-A-M-A-98, and then Tom is at U-A-R-T Sims. And speaking of Tom, he's half the co-host team here. Tom, how's it going? Uh, it's going fabulous, man. It's game week. What's not mm. to like? It is, man. I mean, this Friday is Christmas Eve for us diehards, and I can't wait. Yeah, you know, and I actually, speaking of Twitter, I put out there the uh, the um, my brothers on the Vandy Hawaii game, and the Commodores come right on through for me for our knockout pool. Did you play Vandy this past week? Uh no, but my my buddy did, who uh, I'm coaching, if you will, on um on how to pick his sheet. Tule Tule picked Vandy. I saved all my sheets. I could not. Put all the eggs in the Vandy basket for week one. So I'm taking so you Georgia. you for none of them? No, nah, I'm taking Georgia <laughs> on two of them and um, Arkansas on another one. So Yeah. yeah so that's a reasonable what, distribution. I think if you have Vandy, I think if you pick Vandy this week, you have a major leg up because if you're not familiar with the knockout, we'll go quickly. It's, you have to. You have 13 weeks. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get in, it's not too late because you didn't have to play week zero, but now you have lost. You've lost the ability to pick Vandy against one of the teams they can actually beat. But you can still win, and uh, you pay twenty five dollars, and you it's it's just like the uh, suicide pool in um in the NFL. You pick one SEC team per week, and once you pick them, they're dead. So you can't pick Bama every week or Georgia every week. And there's 13 weeks, so one team gets left out, and which brings me to my Vanderbilt point. I looked at Mississippi State's schedule, and I don't think Mississippi State is going to go 0-8 in conference. I really don't. But you show me Mississippi State's slam dunk guaranteed win. I can't find it. Mm-hmm. No, and it's, it's tough. I know. I'm figuring – so my sheets now that I did not select Vandy – I, eventually, I'm going to have to pick Mississippi State in a week where they're slight favorites, maybe even home dogs. And, um, you know, maybe Auburn might be the most winnable game, the most slam-dunk winnable game because it's at home. But, man, do you really want to take State versus A&M at home? 
Kentucky on the road. It just it, it is a lot of uh, a lot of people pick Vandy, and I think those people have a leg up. But let's jump into the commentary, Tom. You've got it tonight, and I think I know where you're going. It's because we talked about it off the air. So take it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, timeliness is everything in this business. And today, today, August 29th, Bama released their depth chart. So I mean. Two and two together. This is a Bama podcast. Let's let's jump into a few highlights here. Um, I'm not going to break down everything. There's a uh, several no surprises type things, but I'm going to point out some of the more surprising things to me. Maybe maybe surprising is is not the proper word. Maybe interesting slash surprising. One of the interesting things I saw was on the running back depth chart. Uh, we've got Jameer Gibbs listing as the starter, which that's not a surprise, followed by Jace McClellan slash Roydale Williams. No surprises there. The surprise to me was the third team, actually fourth, if you're going to call it a tie for second, which is Trey Sanders. And we've talked about that before in depth on this show last year about his return from injury and that sort of thing. But... It's never more apparent him entering his junior year, and, and really that's a redshirt junior. So this is his fourth year on campus, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So fourth year on campus, he was was he the number one or the number two running back in the country coming out? Trey, I, I was, can't remember. I one, but he was he? he was one or coveted. two. Yeah, he was very yeah. coveted. Yeah, one or two, and and so basically fourth string in your junior year. I, I, f- I felt sorry for the guy, and I hope he I hope he stays and finishes his career at Alabama. But that just shows you that he's he's not going to be back on top in that number one slot. Because as a freshman, he was vying for playing time before he, you know, got an injury, and then and then it kind of went downhill from there. But uh, so that that was the interesting point, I guess, for me was was seeing him four string. Um, you know, we had what five transfers uh, in the off season from other schools coming yeah. in. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'd have to program. really look. Tyler Steen, Jameer Gibbs, um, Jermaine Burton, all three are starting, and I know I'm missing some. Uh, yeah, there was one more that I'm not thinking about, but the one that I am thinking Eli about Ricks. is the only Eli Ricks. There you go, Ricks. Uh, Tyler Harrell, the other transfer yeah. from uh, – he was from Louisville as well, right? Yes, he was. When I say as well, I meant Addison and him both come out from Louisville this year. We didn't get Addison, of course. But, now, Addison uh, we was did from get, Pitt. Oh, was he from Pitt? Yeah. Now, that's your squad, Tom. How do you not know this? How's, how's Pitt my squad? Uh, didn't you pick them to win it all this year? <laughs> I'd have to I re-listen to was, the podcast. I think that was uh, Desmond. (laughs) Uh, But Tyler Harrell is the only transfer who did not end up on starting line one of the depth chart. Now, he is a backup to Jermaine Burton. And when you're a backup at receiver, likely you're going to get pretty good playing time regardless. I mean, you're going to play. Alabama plays probably in a regular rotation at least what six or seven per game i would think yeah i think i think definitely too deep and we have uh 
and I don't really know. I, I'm not an X's and O's guy. Uh, Z, we have ZX and H, which H I believe is, I don't know what the H is. Wide receiver H, you know, when I th- hear H, I think H back, but that's not it because, I mean, Kobe Prentice is starting Christian Leary's second string. So that's, that's quick. I know Christian Leary's very quick. You know, he was in the backfield, if I'm not mistaken. I think he went in motion when we beat Auburn this year on that little uh, um, slant and slant out route, whatever, whatever you call it. It's fake the slant and then run the out. thought you were going to mm-hmm. run one of these. One of yeah, these. Yeah, one of those, one, you know, give and goes, you know. Yeah. He was – I'm pretty sure he lined up his running back and then went in motion to drag the linebackers away from the from the action. Yeah. Well, that, that that's actually my second second point in the wide receiver – thing is is we do have a true freshman in that H spot, Kobe Prentice, and he's backed up by another true freshman. And you just mentioned Leary. Leary's a sophomore, but in that actual position you have two freshmen and a sophomore. And here here's and and we'll see this. That's a recurring theme throughout this roster, but traditionally in a in a large program, big time program, power five program, however you want to call it, you don't have to be you know best in the country although it helps uh but (laughs) traditionally if you're playing a lot of freshmen in any one season that's not necessarily a good thing but when you're in alabama and freshmen hit the field i get excited about that oh absolutely because we have sat here and recruited nothing but fours and five stars for years stacked on years stacked on years and so you know we have an unbelievable amount of talent already there that's already played that already has experience that have been on the depth chart that have been through two three years of practices and spring ball and whatever else all season workouts and then you get a freshman that comes in it's going to take a spot from one of these guys that guy's going to be good he's going to be really good we're we're not out there just trying to you know like uh old miss going through campus and see if we can find us a halfback if uh, if you if you're a freshman in there and you've got a starting position at the University of Alabama, keep an eye on that guy. That guy's likely a future draft pick. I, I you know that will be an interesting thing. Maybe I can research that before next uh, uh, next show. Out of all the true freshmen to start at Alabama, how many of them have been drafted? Got any yeah. guesses on that? I would say it's pretty high percentage. Well, I, yeah, I'm gonna. I, there's no way I can go with um, an, an actual number because I don't know. But I'm gonna say percentage. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say 85. Yeah, I was gonna say I mean, 90. honestly. I was gonna say 90. Yeah, I mean it's. Just, I mean it's such a like it, it. You you might have some outliers in 07 or 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. You know, in those early recruiting classes where he's just trying to get his people in there, but. But from 2010 on, I, I I guarantee you, if you you started as a freshman, you've got a better than average chance of being drafted in the NFL. Yeah, uh, for sure. Let's move on down the list here. Tight end, the the glaring hole there is that uh, Cameron Latu is hurt and is not on the depth chart. I think they said they expect him back possibly by mid September. Did you hear anything about his recovery time? I, I did not. I just know when it's late September, you really should be getting back to school. <laughs> that's uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> I, I, I noticed that. I'll go ahead and chime in on that. That was a concern. 
and I guess it's just our I guess it's just our procedure or our what word am I looking for our policy that if you're injured you don't make the the two deep or the three deep is all I can figure because to my knowledge Cam Latou is in good graces with the team he had a great game against Georgia in the the national championship game so I can't imagine him not cracking the two deep I, I think just since he is not available game one he's not on the the you know, on the the roster, on the the two on the depth well, that's chart. That's right. I mean, if you play like crap, Saban's going to change out this depth chart for next week. So this is this is a week one depth chart, and I'm sure it changes week to week depending on performance and absolutely depending on injury. So yeah, mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me he's not on there, but uh, it, it was it was glaringly obvious that he wasn't on there because he's he's one of the. Uh, tight ends that that could be all-american i mean he he's definitely on that list he's not preseason all-american but he's on that list of of people to watch out for yeah it um, would have warmed my heart if we'd have had cam latou parentheses ir that would have been awesome <laughs> uh offensive line not a lot of surprises there well actually I, let me take that back there was one surprise you know we got the transfer tyler stain from vandy he's he's come in and and apparently he's uh he's everything he's cracked up to be because they got him listed at left tackle which is obviously your uh we we've not got a Tua back there, so we're we're back to needing to protect that backside from the left tackle position. And Tyler seems to uh, fit the bill apparently, so I'm glad to see that. Uh, Darren Delcourt starting center, we knew that was coming. He's he's an All American potential there. Uh, Ikior was actually preseason All American, and uh, Latham at right tackle. Was, was that where he played last year? Was it right tackle? Well, he didn't play much. I think he got, I think he cracked the lineup toward the end. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was right tackle. So the surprise of the group to me was left guard. Uh, yeah, for sure. Cohen was very good last year. Yeah, Jevion Cohen was, was there and playing, and now he's backing up a guy that – now take this for what it's worth because I just read this right before – the the podcast and i i wasn't familiar with this guy but this kendall randolph guy he's a six-year player yeah and the previous five years he was listed as a tight end does that sound right to you (laughs) and so he comes in and takes a starter's position at left guard uh maybe he had a lot of hot dogs in the off season and bulked up or something i'm not sure what went on there but again i treat that almost like a true freshman starting if you're good enough to dethrone a starter then hey apparently we've got an upgrade there and, and i'm all for upgrades one uh one other item of note do you see who's glaringly lacking from this offensive line list um. Yeah, Brockermeyer. Yeah, the, the, the two twins. Yeah, they're five and fours, five star and a four star two yeah, years ago. Yeah, and they came in with didn't uh, with sniff Latham. the lineup last year and and didn't even break the two deep this year. And you know, so, one of them is uh, a center, and you know, Seth McLaughlin took over for center in the Auburn game and did very well. So I I think we're solid on offensive line, but yeah, that it's concerning because. Man, I don't know. You know, the thing is with the with the transfer portal, it is a little unnerving that these guys can get out when the getting's good now, which is any time they want to. 
But, man, Saban has proven that he's going to recruit at the highest level. So if Brocker Myers decides it's time to move on, hey, best of luck to you. You know, go to go back home, go to Texas. But uh, to say that they were not highly coveted and their dad played at Texas, that was a huge coup when Saban signed those two guys. Texas was not happy. So I, I don't know what's happening. Maybe they'll stick it yeah, out. Sorry. You know, be, you know, be Rob. And, man, thoughts and prayers with B-Rob. Daryl called me this morning at 545 and said, it's bad about B-Rob. I'm like, crap, he tears ACL. He's like, no, he got shot. (laughs) I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, I I was reading about that. Apparently it's non-life-threatening, so that's good. But, gosh, that sucks because I think they just named him the starter yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. the day before. And within 24 hours, he gets that. And I wonder if it was the second string running back that carjacked him. <laughs> it could have been. But hats off to McMillan. It only took seven years for your prediction of him being better than Najee Harris to come true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. they don't call him Nostradamus for nothing. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the defensive line is, in my opinion, one of the most impressive units out here, even though they didn't get a lot of national recognition. I mean, when you look and see, how do you pronounce that last name again? Smith? Tim Smith? (laughs) (laughs) What is a boy GB? How do you pronounce that? That's good enough, man. Good enough. He, you know, he got a lot of playing time. You've got, uh, you got DJ Dale that had a lot of playing time. You've got uh, – uh, didn't Damon Payne play some last year as a freshman? Nah, that's – you got me there. I don't know. A, a little bit. Anyway, I'm looking down through here. There's a lot of experience here, even though they're not sort of highly rated. But you've got Byron Young, who – who who could definitely vie for one of the one of the best defensive linemen in the country? DJ Dale, and, and you know DJ Dale, he's a senior now and he's played well for us. I've got no complaints with DJ Dale, but I read their uh, Saban's interview regarding the slash by DJ Dale mm-hmm. at nose guard. So it's DJ Dale slash the freshman Jaheim Otis, and Saban basically said. You know, to put it bluntly, he's hard to block. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so if you're hard to block, that's where you want to be. And, and so he's got him plugged in there. But like you mentioned already, Tim Smith, that that crew there could be really, really tough. And how do, how do you get, and again, no surprises at the linebacker position, but that is, you know, I said – the, the defensive line was one of, I think the linebacker uh, unit is the most impressive unit of this squad. No offense to the secondary, but, I mean, you're talking about Dallas Turner, who everybody's raving about is going crazy here in the spring and the fall. Then you've got Toa Toa in the middle, who's preseason, well, it was postseason All-SEC last year. Preseason All-SEC was second or third team All-American. Uh, yeah, I'd have Jaylen, to look at the publications. Yeah, Jalen Moody, who is now a redshirt senior. He's been, I mean, he's been playing a lot. And then, of course, Mr. Everything, <laughs> Will Anderson, 
that is a unit right there, brother. That is a unit. And uh, if we could keep those guys healthy, I'll be more than satisfied with our defensive play this year. Yeah, and like the guy backing up Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, to hear the talking heads, that, that guy would start at most places in the United States this year. But when you're backing up Will Anderson, you just, you know, best of luck to you. So uh, we've yep. got depth. And I, on, on the notes I put down on the – I just I was going to break down linebackers and defensive backs, and I, I wrote down three or uh, four words. I put back seven is nasty. And, I mean, that's just it. Like you cannot – Dallas Turner had better numbers as a freshman than Will Anderson did. Now, I'm not saying he's better than Will Anderson. And I, I actually would go on a, a state further – that I figure his numbers are better because he was playing with Will Anderson on the other side. That helps out a lot, you know. Tom, it's it like if me, and, if me and if me and Daryl are playing you and Stephen Curry in two-on-two, there's a good chance you're going to be open a lot. Uh, you're exactly right. Yeah, I was and, needing and, a chuckle there, buddy. Well, I'm sorry. I was, I, was say, I, was saying, <laughs> I was saying goodbye to Nikki. She come up and she was going back to school. So she was here just for a stopover. So sorry gotcha. about that. No worries, um, man. But, you, you know, one of the things, and you mentioned this in the last podcast, and, and I, I, know, I knew it when you said it, but you, you tend to get long-winded. I don't know if you realize that or not. And you just kept rambling, and I never got a break to, to actually interject. But... Last week, you mentioned that Eli Ricks was struggling for a position, and that's true on this uh, chart here. That he's listed as a co-starter, not an outright starter. Mm-hmm. He's him and Kool Aid are on the same uh, same line there. But you mentioned last week that he was preseason All SEC. He's preseason All American. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's preseason All American, and he's not even locked down a starting job on this defense. Guys, I hope that's a indication of what's to come with this unit this year. Yeah. I hope we can look back at that and go, we should have known something special was going to be happening when you've got a preseason All-American that is battling to try to get the starting position. So, uh, of course, they're on the other side. You know, he's he's battling for a cornerback position, and they got him as a co-starter with, with Kool-Aid, who's a sophomore, on the other side, heck, they got a freshman uh, yeah. sitting there on the on the line number one, Taryn Arnold. Over so, Kyrie Jackson, who, if I'm not mistaken, started in the national title game last year. Yes, yes. So I, I hope these are signs that, that these guys are just something else. Uh, you may see us playing a lot of uh, – I, I don't – I'm I'm with you. I, the game has changed so much. I don't even know that nickel is a is a good word anymore. I think I, nickel is your base now. A lot of times. Yeah, I mean, I I think I guess what I'm trying to say is you may see him with with you got two cornerbacks and, and your safeties, and then you still may bring in another DB there. You know, there there may be five uh, DBs on the field along with. Of course, the, the last year's starters. You, you yeah. got Helms at, at free safety and Jordan Battle at strong safety. And Brian Branch when need the star in there. All these, and, and I think that's that's kind of the position that I was thinking about where they they bring in that extra DB. But Branch probably plays on the field a lot more than than not. I think formation wise, you know, I think he's on the field more times than not. So. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah, I, I I don't know, but that I'm looking forward to that defense. Really, really nice. Uh, really nice to see. Uh, I tell you one thing that that is, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but there's not a lot of depth at at, at kicker position. <laughs> you know, I noticed that the the second string kicker is also a senior. It doesn't appear that we're. Um, I guess coaching anybody up back there, so I hope uh, I hope Riker can stay healthy this year. Yeah, hopefully so. We don't need a torn ACL like Anders Carlson had in the Iron Bowl last year on a ill-fated onside kick. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Oh, and you know, and speaking of uh, the uh, Terry and Arnold that we just talked about, that was that was over there taking the uh, corner position from Kyrie, or at least up there on the same line with this guy must be showing out because he's also listed as a backup kickoff return specialist. Yeah, I didn't go. Uh, I, I just, I just, uh, I looked at it, but I don't have that, those names in front of me. I just did defense and offense on the, I didn't know you're going to delve into special teams, Tom. I'm very impressed with your level dude, of digging into the Alabama Crimson Tide this year. And this special teams is an important part of the game. And it's a third of the game. Yeah, if you neglect the special teams, you might as well just chalk up two or three losses for the year, just <laughs> solely on special teams. You know, I would think you, of all people, coming from the Tiffin family, would pay more attention to special yeah, we, teams than yeah, kicking. We game. take for granted when there's a Tiffin kicking in Alabama, you take the points for granted. You know, you get spoiled. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there are no more Tiffins. Do y'all have any Tiffins coming up? We do. We've got a third grader, and uh, I asked Lee how he was doing in athletics and sports. Because, see, now his mom, Lee, of course, kicked at Bama. His mom was a diver at Bama. So, I mean, and she's a fitness-like freak. I mean, she's really in shape and really athletic. So, they got two children, a, a daughter and a son. And uh, Lee, I guess the third, I think I think he's Van Lee the third. Uh, he is, Lee said, yeah, he's good at, at basketball. So, I didn't press about football. Of course, third grade, you're not kicking anyway. <laughs> but, hey, it's time to get started. <laughs> yeah, he needs to tie a brick to his ankle and have him go to school every day like that. Yeah. Um, all right, are you done? I'm done, unless there's something else outside of special teams that I'm not familiar with. No, let me uh, – I will interject a little bit here. You touched on a lot of things. You and I had a lot of the same thoughts. But my top – and I said I don't have special teams in front of me and I don't have everything listed, but my top surprise on the, on the depth chart was Gibbs at punt returner, okay? Because to me, like Julio Jones returned kicks – and we've had a lot of running backs or receivers, bigger receivers, turn kicks. Jaleel Billingsley used to return kicks two years ago. But, you know, punt returner, you think of the great ones, you know, David Palmer, Javier Arenas, uh, Jalen Waddle. They're quick. They're jitterbugs a lot of times. So, man, that really gives me hope that Gibbs has some shake, you know, and I think he does. Either that, because JoJo Earl was supposed to um, – was supposed to be the punt returner. And, you know, Saban, he he says the number one most important thing in a punt returner is hands. So maybe Gibbs just has the best hands on the team, which is great also. That means, you know, we could expect maybe very few fumbles from him. So I, that was a very big surprise. Defensive now, line, to be, hey, to be clear before you move on, 
I didn't have him. My my depth chart did not list him in the punt return. Mine listed him as kickoff return. He was a specialist at Georgia Tech in kickoffs okay. and returned several for touchdowns. Just, now you you may have a different one than somebody well, may not be mis- accurate. I might have misread. Who did, who did yours? Have? I went to Tyler Insider. Mine has yeah. Mine has Kool Aid returning punts backed up by Jermaine Burton and Brian Branch. Well, that kind of sucks, Tom. Well, does okay. it? Can we delete that out of there? <laughs> uh, I'm trying I think to pull it's funner to leave it in. But uh, you just blame it on Tider Insider. Uh, that's, I'm about to pull it up. But let me uh, let me see if I can do two things at one time. Uh, I, we were kind of in the same boat on the defensive line. The names the names are familiar to us, but like they're not familiar nationwide. Like there's not a Marceau Darius on there. There's not a Chase Young. There's not a Jadavian Clowney, but man, they are DJ Dale, senior, Tim Smith, junior, Byron Young, senior. That's our front, starting front three. If 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 DJ Dale starts, and I think I think he would, you know, over um, over Otis. But obviously, they're very high on Otis. He's a freshman. Burroughs is a junior. Ibojibi is a senior. So we've got quality depth there. My biggest mm-hmm. concern is running back. We have a transfer. What what would we do if not for the transfer portal? I mean, honestly, you know, I really I think Gibbs is going to live up to what everybody expects him to be. But our heir apparent about 28 to 30 months ago is running four string and our code number twos are both coming off ACL. So that's a, that is a cause for concern. I don't even know, you know, the guy we signed last year uh from Michigan, he flaked out or whatever. He's not even on the team. And I couldn't tell you who we signed our number one running back that's came, coming in this year. But obviously he's not cracking, you know, fourth team so or above fourth team. So Gibbs needs to stay healthy. And, you know, maybe Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams are ready, but I just always am antsy with, with ACLs. Uh, wide receiver, you know, we I, I beat this dead horse last year on our receivers, why receivers weren't that good last year outside of Mechie and then Jamo, who was a, uh, you know, a transfer, is those freshmen, that freshman class of Ty Jones-Bell and Treshawn Holden, and I can't remember the other one, they were not ready to contribute like we were had been spoiled with Calvin Ridley, with Smith, Ruggs, and Judy, with Julio Jones and Amari Cooper, um, Mechie, uh, Waddle. You know, we had gotten just – a spoiled with the freshman 18-year-olds coming in and not only ready to contribute, ready to start and play meaningful snaps and catch meaningful balls. But Treshawn Holden starting, that is very good to see. Our hero from the Iron Bowl last year, Ja'Cory Brooks, Mm -hmm. is second team. Hey, that's good if somebody can beat him out. You know, Burton is starting. And then I was worried about Harold from from Louisville because there were reports that he had little nagging injuries and he didn't really get the playbook yet. I think he came in late summer. But for him to be second team, I'm like you. I, th- I think we see him on the field Saturday. And the way the, the transfer portal worked in our favor in a number of ways, and just another way was Jalen Moody. The linebacker that went pro last year that we really felt should probably stick around one more year, was it Harris? Uh... It I was mean, either Harris uh, or the other maybe. one, and the other one's name escaped, has escaped me all day, and I did, I never I failed to look it up. But Moody, if you remember, I think he got in the portal, 
And then once Harris or the other guy went pro, Moody got out of the portal, came back, and, man, that's great. Like that, That's the way the portal should work. Crap, I'm not going to start. Let me go search for greener pastures. Oh, man, hey, the guy in front of me is going pro or transferred out or whatever. I'm going to come back, and he and he's rewarded for it. So that, that, was, mm-hmm. that was good to see. And like I said, the last thing is our back seven is just nasty. I mean, stay healthy, guys. That's all we ask for this year is to stay healthy. And, um, you know, Malachi Moore is running second team behind at strong safety behind Jordan Battle and at star behind Brian Branch. Dude, Malachi Moore, he's it's his third year. So he's what we played 13 games in 2020 and uh, what, 14 last year? 12, 13, 15 last year. So he's had he's been on campus for 28 games. I bet he started half of those. And now yeah, he's he running second team. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're in great shape with depth. You know, you say that, I mean, anytime you lose somebody, you're like, "Hey, we got depth." But and it's not losing the, that like, you know, you lose branch. It's not a big deal to lose branch, but it's a big deal if you lose more because then all of a sudden you're at third team. And that's why it's so important to try to stay healthy. At least don't get those, you know, season-ending injuries. So yeah. I, I'm excited. I, I kind of feel like you know last year you were very high on our defense and we didn't play. I think I think your commentary on our defense last year was actually Georgia's defense. I'm hoping your commentary last year is what our defense is this year, and I think we've got a good chance to be. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly. It. I was hoping everybody forgot about that because I was disappointed and <laughs> and how. I mean, our defense was good last year. They yeah. just weren't. They just weren't elite. And that's what that's what I thought we were getting last year. It didn't pan out. Will Anderson panned out for sure, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but otherwise, I mean, yeah. Ho- hopefully, that elite defense saved itself for this year for the revenge tour. I love right. it. We call it a revenge tour. We lost one game. I know. Rebuilding year, we finished second. And we led in the fourth quarter. <laughs> All right. So, we, we are 35 minutes in, bro. We've got like eight games to cover. So, let's, I, I would say if we – and I, I didn't look at a template from last year because Tom reminded me, hey, man, we're going to do bets because I didn't even put any bets down. I had to scramble to get those. So, um, I actually – a lot of I, money last year. I'd hate to deprive them of that. Our, our game of the week would be Ohio State-Notre Dame. I, I think we can all agree with that. But we're a Bama podcast. We're going to lead out with Bama-Utah State. And I just – I wrote down a few things. I've got just – the first thing I put down is overmatched. I mean, Utah State's going to be overmatched. And that's fine. You know, we, we need these games. You cannot play. We're not the NFL where if we lose Brian Branch and then we lose Malachi Moore, we can't go off and pick off – pick up somebody off waivers, you know, or out of the uh, the free agent market. So you've got to have these games where you, you know, take a breather. And, and this is going to be one of them. And, I, you know, I said just play injury-free ball. Let's see what Gibbs, Rick, Steen, Burton has. Let's, let's see what we've got with our transfers. I think we're going to be, you know, pleasantly surprised. Uh, I said does Harold play? I think he does. And um, what freshman do we see in action? I know we've got the two deep here. Obviously, we're going to see Kobe Prentice. But like Kendrick Law, he's running third team behind Treshawn Holden, Holden and Ja'Cory Brooks. You know, what other freshman are we going to see? We're going to see any, any crack the, um, the lineup at, whether it be at linebacker, anywhere on defense really is a good place to start. So, uh, and like, who plays garbage time? Because now, you know, with the red shirt, you can – any four games – 
you can sit them out. Used to, you couldn't play past the third game of the year or whatever. And now it's just if you play four games in only four games, it, or if you appear in four games, you can your red shirt's intact. So, you know, this would be a good one to get them in to kind of see what they've got to see if we want to burn the shirt or, or keep them, you know, keep them in, intact. So, I, you know, I've got Bama winning uh, rather easily. Lines 41 and a half, a little foreshadowing there. But, you know, I'm anxious to see Just, what our punt returner and kick returner looks like too. Yeah, all, all those good points. We need to we need to start looking at some of that stuff. And and this is, you know, one thing that we haven't done. And I think this is maybe a lot of saving, or it's maybe a lot of lack of respect for Texas. Years ago, if Texas is your second game on your schedule, and you've got a cupcake in week one. All talk is about Bama, Texas. All of it. What's going to happen? You know, what are we going to mm-hmm. do? Are we preparing for Texas this week? We're playing Utah, but we're we've got a Texas game plan. I mean, all that's going on. Instead, we're talking internally about our own team, and talking about the competition within our squad of of you know who's who's starting, who's not, and that's it's all solely them, and it, and it's not really geared towards Texas, which is a good thing. It's geared towards our own selves, and uh, Saban would love to hear that on this podcast. So uh, yeah, maybe he'll start listening. But I tell you one thing: Utah State was not an atrocious team last year. I mean, they were decent, and. Honestly, when this line opened up at 31, I thought it was a little low, um, and it gave me a little bit of pause. So I went back and started looking at Utah State and stuff, and I was like, oh, I see. You know, it may not be such a, a cupcake game. But then Utah State played in week zero, and <laughs> they looked her- tor- her- terrible. I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't land on I couldn't land on horrible or terrible, so I, I went with horrible. But uh, <laughs> they they, uh, they struggled with Connecticut. They end up with a win, but they struggled. And Connecticut's not a good football team; hasn't been a good football team in a long, long time. And so, as soon as that game completed, this line jumped from thirty-one to forty-one. Ten points worth of terrible. You, you hardly ever see a ten-point jump Dang, in a. I did not know line. that. But yes, that's <laughs> that went ten after Utah State put up the showing they did last week. So uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I agree with you. We, we've got to get some guys out there and figure out what they can do. This is this is a one week warm up to the Texas game, and what you're going to be looking for, what coaches are going to be looking for, is you know. It's a game atmosphere. Are the guys coming in and out when they're supposed to? When their unit's in there, are they in there? We don't want 10 people in the field over there waving for the 11th guy to come on. That's true of all units. Punts, Mm -hmm. kickoffs, kick returns, extra points, field goals. Those young guys are going to be filling a lot of those roles, and they've got to make sure that they're on the spot. they got to make sure that they're – getting the right calls in from the sideline, whether it's defense, offense, whatnot. You want to make sure that they're cutting their routes off at the right time based on coverages and not just based on play call, making sure that the backs are picking up the stunts and blitzes out of the – I mean, you know, those are the things that you can work on in practice in a controlled atmosphere, but when it's completely 
unknown what's coming at you and the chips are in the purse and you know it's the game's going on you can tell a lot about some of these younger guys and i think you'll see some shake up on the depth chart from week one to two i think that always happens but this is the week to to really sow your roots and figure out whether you belong because you've got exactly one week and then you're on to texas and that's a road game so uh gonna going to be a really important opening game here just just from a seasoning standpoint but I, i'm certainly looking forward to it and, yep. and and i agree with you i mean we're, we're not we shouldn't be in danger of losing this game i don't know uh you know with the 10 point line jump that's that's pretty crazy but they did the utah state did look really bad and when you're Utah State, you don't look ahead to Alabama. I mean, you've no. got to you've <laughs> got to beat the Connecticut's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, who knows what what went on there? But we'll I guess we'll see Saturday whether or not the uh, ten point jump was warranted or not. Well, my guess I'm not, is it falls somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I hope it does. I'm uh, the, I'm not going to make any outlandish comments because last year. I said during the before the Bama LSU game, I said I don't see a path of victory for LSU, and dang, they put it on us for four quarters. So we did win, but anyway, it wasn't pretty. All right, so let's jump into Ohio State Notre Dame. Ohio State, you know, this is a top five matchup. Ohio State's two by I think in all the polls, and Notre Dame is five, and I guess the two that matter, coaches and. And AP, and I don't, man, I don't buy it. I, I think they have just put them at five to get a top five matchup. Notre Dame has proven over and over and over and over and over and over they do not belong on the big stage. Anytime they get on the big stage, they are outmatched, outmanned, out imaginary girlfriend. It's just embarrassing. So Ohio State has the Heisman Trophy favorite. They got the best wide receivers in the game, the best group. Room, as uh, as everybody likes to say now, they got the best wide receiver room. You know, we've got the best linebacker room, 100%. Maybe the best defensive back room after we're the way we just talked them up. But the Ohio State head and shoulders has the uh, the best wide re- two best two wide receivers in the game, Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and Smith and Jibba. So uh, defense is a question mark. I don't know. I don't keep up with them enough to know. I'm sure they've got another Chase Young that's – you know, a third-year player that is just going to bust on the scene and wreak havoc. But, you know, Notre Dame, and the game, that's what I like about this. I love the neutral site games because the tickets were normally affordable. Like, we quit – we we scrapped the Texas trip because, one, because of the, you know, the, the perceived ticket prices. I mean, we just didn't want to pay $250, $300 to go see Bama play where if it had been a neutral site game opener in Atlanta – I mean, it would have been it have been cheaper, you know, because there'd have been more tickets for Bama fans out there. And but Notre Dame has a new coach. They are traveling to Columbus. New coach, sophomore quarterback, offense, uh, mixture of classes. I looked at I looked at the depth chart today, and they they have a lot of seniors and juniors, but then they got a lot of young kids playing too. Uh, defense, one starter is a sophomore. Everyone else is a is a junior or senior. I can barely read my writing. And the two deeps, only two freshmen. So they're they're pretty seasoned on both sides of the ball. But, man, I don't see how they're going to – I think the sophomore quarterback in hostile territory is going to spell doom. I mean, I've got Ohio State. I've said it all year. I've got them 42-14. to 14. That line has jumped. I put that bet in 
two months ago when the lines hit at, at uh, Ohio State at 14 and a half, bought it down to 14, and it's jumped to 17 and a half. So, I, you know, the Vegas is seeing what I'm seeing. I, I don't think it's going to be that close. Yeah, I don't see them being competitive in this game either. I mean, that's a huge line. 17 points for a two-versus-five matchup. I, I, sure, they're on the road, but you, you've got to be more competitive than that. If uh, Georgia's on the road at Ohio State or, let's see, well, you know, let, let me, who's number six? Is uh, We'll just say uh, Clemson. Clemson's four. Yeah, Clemson's four. Clemson's not that big of a favorite. No, dog I, don't, I don't think there. so. A uh, and M's likely not that big of a dog. And A and M might be uh, six. I think they are six. Yeah. So uh, I I agree with you that Notre Dame is traditionally overinflated. This is this is not new, and and they're breaking in a new coach. Yeah. Um. And so it's uh. I don't think this is going to be a very competitive game. Although I will say this: in the past few years, during the regular season. They pick a time or two to be fairly competitive. You know, they 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 almost beat Georgia. Was it last year? Um, nah, that was back when Jake Fromm last? played. When Fromm was a freshman, that was two thousand seventeen. I was think I thought it was I thought it was closer than that. Maybe it wasn't. Um, they uh, let's see who. Okay, so last year oh, I've got their schedule. Last year, oh yeah, they lost to Cincinnati and still got credit for it. Twenty uh, twenty. <laughs> They beat Clemson, who was number one, if you remember. With a backup quarterback. Season. With a backup and quarterback. Then got, and then got hammered by Clemson at, at the end of the year in the ACC championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 2019, it, they lost by six to Georgia. Okay. When Georgia was number three, 23-17. So that's, that's been semi-recently. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the previous year to that, 18, they went undefeated, including a, a win over Michigan. But back then, that wasn't that big of a deal. So, they, sometimes in the regular season, they show a little heartbeat. Now, once it gets playoff time and the, the chips are on the line, they tend to get blown out of the gym with, with good competition. And that's a product of what we scream about a lot, about playing in the SEC versus playing in – either a weak conference or some place where you only have to get up, you know, twice a year for a big game. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows once you get to the playoffs, can you win two or three games in a row? Maybe not if you're in a conference championship, you know, can you win that game to get there? Yeah. You got to win the game to get there and then go. You know, last year we were under the gun. We had to win three games to win the national title. We could not lose to Georgia and Atlanta. And then we could not lose our semifinal, and we could not lose the finals. Of course, we did lose the finals. But, yeah, that's a great point. You know, Georgia really just had to win their last two. We had to win our last three. So Yeah, not only did you have to win the last three, you had to win the last three against two number one ranked teams and one number three ranked team. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough thing to do regardless of how good you are. Um, so, anyway, but, but – Agreed with you. We can move on. Ohio State by a zillion. Good deal. All right, we've got seven minutes to cover four more games and get bets in. So, Florida, Utah, what you got? You got you got 60 seconds, Tom. Give us a synopsis on Florida, Utah. Line is Florida minus three. I'm yeah, sorry, Utah minus three. Sorry. Yeah, Utah minus three. 
But what's strange about this game, and I'll go ahead and give you a prediction. This is going to be one of my picks for the uh, game since we're going to get a little concise. I'm going with the Florida Gators here. They're the, mm. they're the home team. But you know what? They are nowhere to be found in the top 25 poll. Nowhere to be found. With good reason. With good reason. I'm not suggesting they should. But they're absolutely nowhere. And yet they're playing the number seven team in the country who is predicted by most places to win the Pac-12 and possibly getting to the playoff to play Texas A&M for the championship, if you ask Desmond. (laughs) And Florida actually opened up as a one-point favorite. Now, it has moved to Utah minus three, but they opened up as a favorite over this team. Now, let me ask you one quick question here. Uh, Would Utah have an easier time with Kentucky or LSU versus Florida? Which who do you think Utah has an easier time? Kentucky, LSU, or Florida? Uh man, that is a good question. Everybody's so high on um on Kentucky. I would say maybe LSU. You think you think Utah would have a tougher time with LSU than they will with Florida? Uh yes, I do. Okay. All right, so let let me ask you, is it close? And here's the reason I asked. Yeah, I mean, we're assuming that Utah goes on the road to Death Valley, right? Yes, same circumstances. They're on the road. Okay. I I, I think probably that maybe the easiest game, man, it's just so hard with Kentucky because I don't know what – everybody's so high on their quarterback, but ultimately they're still Kentucky. Why I lean lean having trouble at Florida Field, at Baton Rouge, has nothing to do – with it being on the road as much as it has to do with the heat they're going to face. Utah is going to face – now, it's going to be 6 o'clock kick, but, man, they're going to face some oppressive heat and humidity unless they catch a break with rain. Um, but, that you know, that opens up a new set of circumstances. But what, what's your get, – get to your point because I'm not really my, sure where my you're going. Point, my point here is if Florida can beat Utah in this game, out of their first seven games – after Utah, they get Kentucky and LSU both at home in the same exact circumstance. Mm-hmm. So if they can beat Utah, they they have a legitimate shot of being six and one, seven and zero oh, going to the Georgia game. Uh, yeah. Just something to keep an yeah, eye on do. if they can win here. And and the other point before we move on that that we mentioned last week, if Florida was to win this game and Georgia blows out Oregon like we both think they will, uh, well, I'll save you. you. You might can pick however you want to there. But if Florida, <clears throat> if Florida beats <clears throat> Utah and Georgia holds chalk, that just kills the Pac-12. Their entire yeah. playoffs hopes are dashed in week one. It hurts them. It, put, it hurts them bad. I mean, it really does. I've got Utah winning this one, but I do have it in a close one. I could, I could see Florida having the lead. But I just think, man, if you're a top 10 team, you have got to win this game. You've got to carry that conference flag because you know Oregon is probably going to not carry the conference flag. Which, so you've got Florida winning, um, which makes it an automatic cover. That would be a home dog winning. I've got Utah in a close one. I'm going to say it pushes. I'm going to say they get them by three. So if you want to buy the half both ways with two different bookies and hit the middle, go for it. I think you're good. Um, Georgia, Oregon. This is at this is neutral site game. Tom at Atlanta, a mere eighty-five miles from the campus of Athens. So you know, Oregon. They got to start Knicks. They're not naming a starting quarterback. It's it's either Knicks or a redshirt freshman. 
Dude, if Nix does not beat out a redshirt freshman after what playing over 30 games in the SEC or high 20s, if not in the 30 games, um, around 30 games in SEC, then he is not near the quarterback that we thought he was. And I mean, he's a gamer. I'm not going to act like he's going to make the NFL. I have we've said on this podcast that if he would humble himself and be that slot receiver, I think he could have a long career in the NFL. The dude has got some major wheels and some major quickness. But Nix has got to start and play well, and I think if he does, that 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 Oregon can cover. But I, I don't really see Georgia losing this ball game. I don't either. I don't necessarily think Georgia may get the cover here. It's going to be very interesting to see, in my opinion, what Georgia actually comes out with. Are they going to come out dominant on defense and dominant on offense like they did most of the year last year? And I say dominant on offense. Their defense – carried them for sure last year but uh they lost a lot they lost a lot and yes they've had good recruiting classes so on and so forth but you know what lsu uh did the same thing the year after their national championship uh there's been florida state same thing after their national championship certain teams sometimes rest on their laurels First year Alabama won the national title back in 2009. They had a disastrous 10 and 2 season and 10 and 3 season in 2010. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I I'm just interested to see what kind of fire they come out with and and how they handle it. Now Kirby's been there before, but his players hadn't. So, we'll see if he can translate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next game, we got two two left in our bets. Uh, LSU versus Florida State. Florida State looked really good this weekend. They played in week 0. They played Duquesne. I was not aware Duquesne had a football team, but they do. And they've got to go to Baton Rouge. I thought it was a neutral site game at New Orleans, but best I could find on the interwebs, it is a home game for LSU. Florida State's played with confidence. LSU's breaking their new coach. Granted, I do think that Brian Kelly is a very good coach. But I just – I got a sneaking suspicion that Norvell, you know, the coach at Florida State, it's his second or third year. I think he's going to pull the upset. It's only a three-point line. I think Florida State springboards the the momentum they had from last week, and I've got them winning in Baton Rouge in a close one, which would work do wonders for the ACC. Roger that. I'll just move right on to Arkansas and Cincinnati because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think too much of that game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Arkansas is ranked 19th, playing Cincinnati, ranked 23rd. Now I'll say this: Cincinnati made the playoff last year. If you remember, I don't know if you remember that they they did make the playoff Vaguely. last year. Was very very competitive at a game with uh, who was it? Oh, that was us. But uh, they lost everything. I yeah. think they. I think the voters kept them at 23 by virtue of their coach. who is What's his name? Fickle? I yeah, think Luke his Fickle. Name, right? Yep. Uh, and not necessarily players they have on their team. So I, I do like Arkansas in this game. I, uh, I hope they get the win. I don't necessarily know that they'll cover the line. Open at eight, it dropped to six. So somebody likes Cincinnati, mm-hmm. but it ain't me. And, uh, nah. I would likely have Arkansas in my survivor pool for my second sheet this week. Yeah, I've got them on a, one of mine. So, Cincinnati, they do return all five offensive linemen, but they don't, they, they don't return the quarterback, and the quarterback was huge. I mean, he was very good. He's in the NFL now. Problem is, defensively, they only return, return four starters, and both, uh, both cornerbacks are gone, Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. 
So Arkansas has, and I put this, I wrote this down, and I just want to get your reaction. I said Arkansas has the third best quarterback in the conference? Question mark. Okay, you got Bryce Young, and then you've got Levis from Kentucky. Who's third best? Is it Hendon Hooker from Tennessee? Is it KJ Jefferson from Arkansas? Is it TJ Finley from Auburn? I almost, LSU. I almost oh, got LSU. that out. I almost got that out without <laughs> chuckling. Um, you know, is it Haynes King at Texas A&M? Is it Will Rogers from Mississippi State? I mean, that the third quarterback. It's a really good question of who people think is the third best quarterback. And my point is, Arkansas's quarterback def- definitely would get. You ask a hundred sports writers. KJ Jefferson's going to get some third place votes, a good many of them, behind Bryce and Levis, and might even get some second place votes. Yeah, so I, I just don't think, think it's a question. I think he is a third best. Yeah. So I just I think that he um, I, I think he puts up numbers with his legs, with his with his arm, and I've got Arkansas winning. I've got them covering, especially since the line dropped below seven. Nice. Okay. We're, we're right. simpatico. Yep, so that wraps us up. Besides bets, I'm going to go first, Tom. I have got Ohio State at 17.5, the new line. I've got them covered still. I've said it all year, 42-14, to 14, Buckeyes. To reiterate, I also have Florida plus the three against Utah. I think they get the win outright. Probably just take that on the money line and you'll be safe. And my pen has run out of ink, so I need to remember this, that you've got Florida because you know I don't listen, I don't listen to the, uh, the podcast. Okay, I had Utah plus two and a half. I'll lay off of that. I'll go Oregon plus 17. Um, I, I've, I, I, that has been my upset special. It does concern me. They've not gone ahead and named Bo Nick's quarterback. I don't know if, if it's that close because Nick should start for them. I mean, you start in SEC, you should be able to go start at Oregon where they don't have an heir apparent to the quarterback position. So I'm going to say they do start Knicks and they, they hang within 17. I'm going to say it'll be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter and the Knicks will do something stupid. I, I hope that's what happens. I hope he does something stupid. <laughs> well, there's a lot of hype over there with another SEC East team. Spencer Rattler, he transferred to South Carolina, correct? Yes, might be the third-best quarterback. Well, that's true. We didn't even thought, think about it. So it's a lot of high hopes over there for South Carolina. But they're only twelve point dogs over Georgia State this week. Something's fishy in the in the pot here. I'll take Georgia State plus the twelve versus the Gamecocks in the opener. Right, so you've got Georgia State. My pen started working again, and you've got Florida. I will try to remember that. And I took Oregon. Okay, well that wraps us up, Tom. Man, it is great that it's game week. T.J. Finley has been named the quarterback at Auburn. I don't know who's happier myself or Auburn fans because I was really rooting that he was starting. So, uh, as always, congratulations! Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you got to hate early and you got to hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.